Love Letter listeners. We've got a special extra chill episode for you guys. Stay tuned. No! Not left! This isn't NASCAR! You messed up the rotation! Now pass it this way. Congratulations, Virginia. We finally made it. Now today, I'm going to be speaking with Janae Brown in Suffolk for her brand, Growth. She makes these delicious fruity hemp rolling papers. And when I say delicious, it's not just lip smacking good, but it's actually edible. And I'm also going to be talking with Thomas Malone. Thomas Malone is the founder of Arena Group, which provides guidance to growers, processors, retailers, CPG companies, investors from angel groups and state banks, as well as curious others from a wide variety of fascinating backgrounds. Thomas also is giving me some great information on rehabbing people who have been victimized by the war on drugs. So growth actually started as an idea, like once the pandemic hit, I went to Colorado because like school got canceled. They're like, you know, we don't have to be in person anymore. So I was like, well, if we don't have to be in person, I'm definitely going to travel. So when I went to Colorado, I indulged in uh, some fun activities, of course, and being like super zooted with my friends. They had me run into the store and they're like, oh, go get some grape papers or some pineapple flavored papers. And as I'm checking out, I'm like, what? What is in these papers that are giving it this flavor? So my high ass, as I would like to say, literally uh, was like, I'm gonna make it out of real fruit. And they're like, how? I was like, just watch. A few months later, came back to Virginia, started messing around, dibbling, dabbling, and came up with the growth brand or nostalgia. So, okay. so how, what, how do you process your papers? Yeah, so as far as what we do, it is patent pending right now, but everything is handmade. We use real fruit and real ingredients as well as real hemp paper. Uh, when it comes to like coming up with the ideas, we kind of just bounce around for different monthly flavors. The reason why we chose pineapples is because it's the biggest, cheapest fruit and we can make an abundance of papers with it. Um, process takes about anywhere from four to eight hours, just depending on which paper. And right now we can only do about 400, you know, four to 800 papers a day. And it sounds like a lot. But when you have like 20 in each batch that go bad, plus you have people that order over 50 papers, it takes a lot. So um, we always have to continuously restock the website because they're always selling out, but we always have them in store. So if people want to come in here and get them, it's going to definitely be quicker than ordering online. Right now, just Restaurant Depot, Food Line, Walmart, people be looking at us crazy because we'll walk out with like 50 pineapples. They're like, okay. But yeah, those are our main spots where we get it from. Some of the papers are going to have like rose in it probably in the future, a little bit of hibiscus. We definitely use like fresh herbs like rosemary, um, mint leaves for sure, and like other fruits, coconut, um, lime, lemon. Yeah. So as far as blends, we do herbal blends, which we do here in the shop and sell online as well. Um, we have over 30 different herbs at our bar that you can literally sit here and mix and match. You can do things for insomnia, for uh, aphrodisiac, something that's for relaxing. But the three main herbs blends that we have right now that are already preset and ready are going to be our Max Relax for relaxation, Cloud Nine, which is going to help elevate that mood and kind of the body, and then Period, which is going to help with any muscle cramps or any tension that you have in the body.
So when July 1st hits, um, the bill, to my knowledge and what I'm reading right now, is literally just for individuals. It's not necessarily for businesses. So with that being said, businesses cannot legally sell you know, cannabis until 2024 once the bill is refined and passed fully. Um, but an individual can have up to an ounce on them. If it's anything more than an ounce but under a pound, it's just a $25 fine. If it's more than a pound, that's when uh, it's a federal crime to have because they charge it with distribution, which is one to 10 year jail time, a quarter of a million dollar bond. Yeah, so it was brought up in here because just like in DC, you are actually allowed to gift an individual up to an ounce, so that's 28 Gs. Obviously, we're not gonna gift 28 Gs to somebody, but in order to implement it, like if you went to DC, let's just say you paid for a shirt that's normally 35, but today happens to be 55 pay for that shirt and you just happen to get a ounce not an ounce <laughs> a gram for free so i was talking to them about like which products to you know put that price on so that people can actually come in here and get a gram or five of some good cannabis as a gift of course as a gift yeah so we're going to try to start doing that july 1st um talking to them we're probably going to sell the jars and up the prices on those so you get a small jar, which is good because you can actually hold your herbs and it will last longer in a sealed jar. It'll be 15 for a G, and then if you want 5 Gs, it'll be 70 for a big jar that can hold all your herbs and stuff. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's bad at all. And it's convenient. You don't need to hit nobody up on a text message and wait and sit in your car. It's not convenient at all. And we're gonna try to also have. I'm gonna try because July 1st. Um, is a Thursday but I do want to do a, an event so there's like a little Airbnb house right up the street like a little bed and breakfast it's very nice very elegant but I think I want to do like a close 30 to 50 person party where we can go over there and smoke our herbal blends as well as the CBD and hopefully fingers crossed some Mary J because it'll be legal for individuals and it's private property so try to do a little shindig over there I'm excited I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, my first business was called Full Belly Delights, and I ran that for like four years. So I did like chocolate-covered bacon treats, and that was all online, but I did a lot of pop-up shops and expos and everything like that. And I won like some local, statewide, and national competitions. So I had a feel of what it was like to run a business, but to actually open up a storefront and have employees, that was something that's new and still new to me. It's um, interesting like learning about workers comp and insurance and business policies and building protection policies and taxes i'm like this is overwhelming it's overwhelming but i know this first few this first year i should say it's definitely going to be a task but it's just going to help me become better and continue to grow this business in a more knowledgeable way so it's hard but i'm getting done I moved to Virginia when I was 12, my mom's military, so we bounced around a lot once we did move here, but um, I guess most of my life, Northern Virginia, and then the last half of that here in Norfolk, I just moved to Suffolk literally a month ago to be closer to the business, so now I'm walking distance, which is perfect. So I did look in the main cities, of course, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, um, few reasons why I didn't choose those because the pricing for the buildings were definitely higher than what was in my budget um, and the aesthetic or the look was not being matched I was trying to find something with high ceilings and 
you know, like that moved back so that would bring people in and everything was just like a box with short ceilings and just standard retail space. And I was just like, I don't like this. So once I saw the space here in Suffolk, I was like, are people really going to come out here? Because you don't hear about Suffolk too much. But my thing is, if you make something that people love, they're always going to come regardless. And when I think, when people think of growth, I want them to think of Suffolk. And when they think of Suffolk, I want them to think of growth because we have two more business ventures that are going to open here within the next five years in this city that is going to bring more traffic. One of them being a dispensary. And then another one hopefully will be like an entrepreneurial hub for other people who want to start their businesses out here. Because Suffolk is absolutely amazing. And there's a lot of untouched grants and funds and a really good community that people don't know about out here. So. It is. It's quiet. There's a lot of land. It's like the biggest city land-wise as far as the seven cities here in the Hampton Roads area, so it's really big. What's your favorite area? My favorite area in Virginia or here? Well, let's start with here and then maybe. Suffolk because that's where my shop is. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of cool people. Like If you like go into any of these businesses, you can literally meet the owner. And I feel like in all the other cities, you don't really get that too much because the owner is always like out of town or doing so much. But since we're such a small community, you can literally walk in and meet the owner of the, you know, the brewery or grow for the furniture store. Um, so that's really important for me to put a face to the business. As far as Virginia period, I love Richmond. Yeah, because with this one being more like a rural, small city, I like to sometimes be in a big city and there's a lot of food places out there that definitely indulge in after smoking some herbal blends of course but yes I like Richmond. <laughs> How did I wear? I don't even know I just because everybody here is because especially going to ODU like you have people from a lot of people from out of state like Maryland, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina and then when you say Nova you're like what? I'm like Northern Virginia? And I'm like, D.C., oh, okay. Um, I don't know how you really recognize anybody from there unless you ask, because, um, <laughs> no, we don't, no. <laughs> I don't know, I can't just be like, oh yeah, that's a Nova person. I have no idea, even growing up, they just look normal to me. But as of right now, we are currently working with a manufacturer to get our papers mass produced, because right now everything is handmade, so it does take more time. So in order to appease the customer satisfaction rate when it comes to our shipping method, we want to obviously make it at a larger scale. And with that being said, it is gonna be a little bit different than what the papers we have now, um, but it's still gonna be the same concept of it being organic and made out of hemp biomass and pineapple. So that's still the main goal and making sure that it still burns slow. Um, we already have like a first batch that came out, so hopefully by the time this airs, there's two more batches, and by the third or fourth one, we should be good to go. And once that's good to go, our goal or our plan is to use that paper to sell online, but then also to distribute to the different like corner stores and shops. So growth will be at like your 7-Eleven or your your local smoke shop. Um, and as far as the handmade papers, they'll be like something that you would have to come in store to actually purchase and be in the Suffolk area but every now and then we might do like a surprise like drop kind of like supreme like oh limited supplies of the handmade papers the originals drop today so that's something that we plan on definitely doing and then um we have an event coming up in October in Houston Texas it's a brunch and bake 
so people can get their tickets. There's two different types of tickets, just a regular one or a VIP one, and you'll get your own smack pack, which comes with like 10 buddy bottles, stickers, grinder, a match, 24 papers, tips, and it's gonna be unlimited alcohol, unlimited food, like a brunch buffet, some music, and some games for us to play and just for us to hang out and celebrate growth with our family and friends in Houston. Yep. Let us know where we can find you on yeah, of course. So on TikTok, it's going to be Now That's Growth, all one word. And then on Instagram, Facebook, as well as Twitter, it's True Growth, and that's T-R-U-E. So, and on our website, it's the same way, because I know some people spell it T-R-U, but know that you in it as well. So, yep. Do you have any final messages for all Hashtag Now That's Growth. okay we can replace our glassware at pitbull tobacco and more on rosemont road in virginia beach hello how are you i'm good how are you i'm pretty well thanks so where are you calling in from today i'm calling in from norfolk virginia how about yourself i'm in virginia beach oh cool not far away so I invited you on today because I want to do a special for July 1st. Yeah. So what are you most excited about with this change that's coming about? I think the thing I'm most excited about when it comes to the July 1st change specifically is the reduction in criminalization that we're going to see. We're going to see people not get hit with a fine they can't afford or worse, jail time for something that never should have been criminalized in the first place. So while I'm certainly excited about the commercialization and everything that'll go into the, the business side of regulating the cannabis industry, that's not till much later. Um, whereas this July 1st, 2021 date, um, in part, that date was set because our lawmakers and our governor recognized the importance of stopping the harm. You know, we can focus on all the good that cannabis will do as we learn to regulate it commercially. But in the meantime, just stopping all of the damage that criminalization has done up to this point, um, you know, fines and jail time, all those things mentioned before, and all of the consequences that comes from that, you know, losing employment, losing housing, losing access to your own children, uh, the, the consequences that come with criminalization uh, or criminalizing this plant are difficult to overstate. So uh, for me, that is by far the most exciting part about um, this date, July 1st, 2021, and what it represents suffering the consequences of it having formerly yeah uh that's that's an important question and my best understanding of what we can do to support the people who have been harmed by the criminalization of cannabis and this is the reason i say my my best understanding is because it's still something that i'm very much learning more about how we can impact for good how we can help some of the people that have been harmed. Um, it is a conversation that has been ongoing. THC Justice Now, um, ACLUVA, uh, 
um, Forward VA, just to name a few. I know I'm missing some great organizations and some great names involved in um, repairing some of the harms associated with criminalizing cannabis up to this. And so I guess my first answer would be to support those organizations, organizations that have already done the work uh, and continue to do the work to help people who have been harmed is, is definitely a great step. So if you can't personally, or uh, if you choose not to personally help uh, the people who have been impacted by criminalization, then supporting the organizations that do is another great step that you can take. Um, but getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of what you can do to support some of these communities, some of these groups that have been impacted, include basic things like making sure they have access to support services, um, to education, to your network, whatever that may be. Uh, you could be a lawyer and, and you'll have a, a great network, a valuable network, as well as valuable information that you can share with someone who otherwise may not have access to or be able to afford your services. Uh, same can go for any professional service job, whether that be an accountant or you know, people in staffing and recruiting. Uh, there's, there's a number of ways that you can help level the playing field for those that have been knocked down by a criminalization one way or another. Do you think it would be worth it to start a letter writing campaign to our governor or to Congress members? I am sure that any campaign to our lawmakers that makes it clear what we think about an issue uh, has impact. And these, these lawmakers, even our governor, are ultimately put in office, put in their positions of power because we voted them there. So if they understand that their constituents demand this of them, um, then that is going to increase the likelihood that they'll actually do something about it if they hope to be reelected. Um, so I, I do think that there's some power to that. Uh, additionally, I am aware of, and again, I'm, I'm blanking on the organization, so uh, maybe after this I will look that look some information up for you. So anything that I can't remember off the top of my head, I can I can give to you for um, the show notes or, or what, however you want to um, produce this. So one organization that I know of that does letter writing specifically for, um, there is a word, it's not inmates, it's not convicted, it's not incarcerated. Um, there's better language that I have only recently learned about to describe people who are in jails for um, cannabis-related offenses, and I'm blanking on the word, so apologies if I'm using um, less progressive terminology to describe these groups of people. That is not my intention. Uh, again, just still on the process of learning how to be as progressive on some of these issues as possible. But there are letter writing campaigns for these people who have been jailed uh, for cannabis offenses that let them know as well that they're not alone, that there's people who understand that what's happened to them is unjust, and that when they come out, when they're released, 
from their sentence, they will have support on the outside from people who sympathize with what's happened to them. And um, yeah, that's, that's just another letter writing campaign that I can think of off the top of my head that is specific to this cannabis conversation uh, in addition to the letter writing campaign that you just mentioned to our lawmakers, which again, would also have impact. That's definitely something I would be happy to share. Um, there's actually a way that I can have you um, contribute anything. Um, I can send you a link if you want to send me like a sound bite of any updates that you have. Okay, I can do that. Awesome, I appreciate you. How did you really get involved with this whole process? Has this always been a passion of yours? It's an interesting question. So it's a it's a passion that has evolved over about seven years now. Uh, it started when I was too young, um, biologically, developmentally, to start uh, consuming cannabis. Uh, I started when I was <clears throat> 20 years old, which is uh, older than, than certainly many people I know, but... Um, the brain doesn't stop developing until um, 25 at the late, latest. And even with um, neuroplasticity, I, I understand that the brain continues to change um, all along your, your lifespan. But uh, I think 20 is, is still a little too young to start consuming cannabis just because of there's a lot of, of neurological change going on during that time period. But um, that's neither here nor there. I, I started consuming when I was 20, and I immediately noticed a difference in how I was consuming it versus how the people around me were consuming it. Uh, I wanted to know the details of what I was consuming. Strain names, where did it come from? Um, what effects can I expect with this particular strain? And those were questions that my uh, friends, people around me, weren't asking. Um, to them, it was just this plant material that got them high, so to speak. Uh, and, and I noticed pretty early on that different strains did different things for me. And some I enjoyed and others I did not. So. Uh, it became really important to me in a way that it didn't to the people around me that I understand what I was consuming. So that kind of marks the, the beginning of it. I was in college at the time and I was a, a division one athlete. And so what I came to realize fairly early on is that cannabis was not this demonized drug that the mass media had it portrayed as. Uh, it helped me to focus on my schoolwork. It helped me to enjoy my schoolwork as I was doing it. Uh, it helped me to recover from the sports that I was participating in. It did a number of things that were just completely contrary to everything that the stigma says cannabis does for people make you lazy unproductive you want to sit on the couch eat junk food watch tv that wasn't true for me and i took a guess that if it wasn't true for me and it was as popular as it was 
that it was not true for a lot of other people as well. So fast forward, I graduated from college and I immediately enrolled in law school. And it was in law school that I finally started to meet other people who also shared that the experiences that I had with cannabis. They used it to help them increase their performance or improve their performance in school and in life, frankly. And so that really opened my eyes to, okay, I'm not alone on this. There are other people who feel this way about cannabis. Um, this is validating in a lot of ways. On a separate track, Unfortunately, I had to go to law school to realize that being a hotshot uh, corporate big law attorney was my idea of the worst way I could spend my time. Um, I, I mean, we all we all have heard the the common themes associated with people who do that sort of legal practice. Um, soul destroying, I think, is perhaps my favorite descriptor of, of that kind of work. And um, that there, there are plenty of people. I've met some people who love practicing law. So that was another awakening moment to, oh, there are people who really do love doing this. I would rather do literally anything else than do this. Um, so it became, okay, well, what do I want to do instead? I still want to use this law degree. This is still very important to me that I have this, but what do I want to use it for? And that quickly turned into a journey about startups and about entrepreneurship. I was fortunate that the law school that I attended had a very strong entrepreneurial startup business uh, and, and everything around that. Selection of courses and experiences. And so I was able to use my time in law school to learn as much as I can about entrepreneurship and small business and startups and things of that nature. And it was through the combination of these journeys that by the time I finished law school, I realized okay, not only do I know that I want to be an entrepreneur uh, and involved with startups, but I want to direct that work to the cannabis industry specifically. So fast forward, it's been two years since I've graduated now, and I have been running Arena Group for those two years, uh, which is essentially a cannabis business consulting company. Uh, I've worn a variety of hats. I've done a lot of different things uh, with Arena Group, but I'm still very much figuring it out. So that is uh, maybe the, the long version of what has led me to the cannabis industry um, and and what's led me to having this conversation with you. Excellent, I see. So you help to launch businesses, essentially. I try to. Uh, there are some businesses that are certainly in the beginning phases and I've helped uh, a couple of startups get their, get their feet under them and, and just get started. I've also helped existing businesses, businesses that have been around for a while and are looking to enter the cannabis space with the services they already offer. So it's a, it's a mixed bag. Right now, what I 
am doing, which I hope to have impact with those communities specifically, is giving information for free. Just just making it available. Uh, just putting it on my social media accounts. Uh, I hope to create a, a YouTube account with longer form content where I just share what I've learned um, over these last two years in the cannabis industry, but also over the last nine years as a, as a business student, as a legal student, um, and, and as a cannabis industry stakeholder, uh, to be able to share what I've learned and, and what I know uh, about this industry and how to get involved. So that's a very indirect way of, of helping, but I hope by making that information freely accessible that it does help even the playing field to some extent when a lot of this information you would have to pay some sort of professional to learn or else you know spend your own time uh, on the internet networking with people talking to people um, to learn the same information that i am trying to make freely available more directly and this isn't something that I've begun to, to really work on yet, but Arena Group, my, my company, aspires to directly help people who are coming from the communities that have been unjustly impacted by cannabis criminalization. Whether that means job placement, ensuring that your records are properly expunged, things of that nature, I very seriously understand that that will be part of what arena group does in the future but for now still just a plan you know you have to start somewhere you have to build your base and sure. inform people about what your your mission is and i think it's a, a really amazing plan thank you i look forward to seeing it uh actually do some good and, and help people uh but until then we'll just uh keep strategizing do you feel like the pandemic, it has shifted the way you've had to reach out to people? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, for one, a lot more Skype calls, a lot more Zoom calls, a lot more FaceTime. Uh, but one positive aspect of the pandemic, and I know that there are many, many, many negative aspects of the pandemic for so many people, but one of the silver linings of the pandemic was its impact on the cannabis industry. Uh, for so many states where cannabis was legalized, it was deemed an essential service. Uh, if you remember a year ago, a little over a year ago, when everything shut down, um, the determination of whether a business was essential or not was a really important one to the people within that business. Um, and so for cannabis to get that check mark that said, yep, you are an essential service, that was a very validating boost to the industry. Additionally, we saw consumption of cannabis go up in just about every state maybe minus the states where they really rely on tourism to supply some of that consumption. Uh, I think Colorado and California, but in, in Nevada as well. But when you think of uh, 
just about every other state, especially the almost 30 or over 30 states that have a medical only program. So they're kind of insulated from tourism. That's not really, you can't be a tourist and participate in a medical market. Um, they all saw increases and, and pretty dramatic increases in consumption of cannabis, which to me and to a lot of other people only further validated the need for legalization um, of cannabis across the states and, and nationwide and, and globally even is because this is something that people were leaning on to handle all of the stress and all of the uncertainty all of the issues that were going on around the pandemic. And because of that, you saw a boost to the businesses who are providing those services, which in turn led to increased growth, um, increased success, and you know, the, just kind of a, a snowball of, of good things for the cannabis industry as a whole, because it meant that while so many other businesses were hurting, to stay alive, to stay afloat during the pandemic, uh, the cannabis industry was booming. For those reasons, Arena Group has been able to participate in, in a little bit of the, that broader success, just because with you know, success in that industry, what's, what's the phrase? Um, a rising tide raises all boats. So to the extent that cannabis businesses elsewhere have been successful. Arena Group has been able to enjoy some of that success as well in increased attention and uh, the clients that we get to work with and things of that nature. So may I ask you, where sure. is your favorite place in Virginia to smoke? My favorite place in Virginia to smoke? You know, that is a question I've never been asked before, but it's a good one. And I am struggling to think of what that might be just because I'm a, I'm a beach person. So a big part of the reason that I live in Norfolk is because I love living by the coast. Um, I can tell you that from a, <laughs> uh, a logistics perspective of smoking cannabis specifically being on the coast is difficult because it's so windy so it is difficult to enjoy um, cannabis flower because it's so darn windy so with that I, I actually have to say that after spending a few years in, in Charlottesville that any place that has beautiful views especially of the mountains any place that you can really be in nature um, so hikes are, are a great example of the sort of time where I find enjoying cannabis and enjoying Virginia at the same time to be the best combination. So um, nature hikes, specifically in and around the, the Shenandoah Valley region, I think is, is the most beautiful place to be. Absolutely. So you're a UVA alum, right? Yes, that's right. Excellent. I have one more question for you then. How, how would you recognize someone from UVA? Um, well, there certainly is some tricks that someone can use to identify. Pastel colors, collars, khaki pants. That's a great start. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if, if they're wearing UVA gear, I mean, that's that's a giveaway. Although there's plenty of UVA fans, especially with uh, 
with basketball being as successful as they've been. So just because you have UVA swag on doesn't necessarily mean that you're from UVA. So really it's, it's the look, it's uh, the attire for me. That's, that's a good way to guess. Either they're from UVA or they're from a fraternity somewhere else um, is a good way to start. On a more genuine note, what I love about UVA and, and the students who go there is a combination of just incredible intelligence. Uh, I honestly don't know how I was accepted into UVA, given that everybody there is so smart, but it's the combination of how smart they are with how much they care about making an impact. And that impact can be in anything, um, in everything. There's so many amazing causes that people can be a part of um, and that need smart and hardworking people to help move those causes forward. And I have visited just about every school. I have friends that have that attended just about every school in Virginia. And I can say that UVA, without a doubt, is one of those schools that has that combination of talent and work ethic and altruism uh, that you don't see in, in any other school. So if you run into someone who has all three of those, um, there's, there's a good chance that they went to UVA. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there okay. any final message that you have for our listeners? Um, no, I just want to thank you for putting this together and for using your platform to talk about some of these important issues that artists, brands, um, it, something that, especially in Virginia, I don't see enough of a spotlight on, given how amazing we are at those things. So um, thank you for, for putting this together. And I'm looking forward to hearing some of your new podcast coming out. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so touched. I appreciate you. You guys ever take a mad bong rip and then put on your mask? You take a whiff and you're like, mm, yeah. I just got a contact high from my own mouth.